This is Scientific American Science Quickly. I'm Christopher Intagliata. If there's one thing that unites a lot of the creatures that live in vernal pools, it's their extreme lifestyle. They have a very distinctive strategy. They a few months ago, a wildlife biologist named Chuck Black took me out to see some vernal pools at a marine base outside San Diego. Vernal pools are these temporary little ponds that form when it rains, and they turn into these little oases that are home to a whole bunch of different creatures, most iconic of which is the fairy shrimp. They don't have any spines or defensive mechanisms. They're kind of like lunch for anything that comes along, beetles or birds or anything. But they, they're very fast to reproduce, and so the, the shrimp strategy is to start fast, get your reproduction done, and then... It kind of reminds me of those just-add-water toys as a kid, if you remember those. It's like the rain comes, it fills up these pools, and it sort of activates the fairy shrimp eggs that have been sitting there for who knows how long. The fairy shrimp then grow as fast as they can, they reproduce, they put out their own eggs, and then those eggs just sit there for a while, enduring droughts or fire until the next time it rains. And that could be decades. Now or even a hundred years from now. So it's sort of like a live fast, die young. Yes, exactly. And while fairy shrimp are sort of the rock stars of the vernal pools, the life there goes way beyond fairy shrimp. So there's branchiopods, ostracods, copepods, clodocerans, and besides the crustaceans, there's a lot more. I called up the population biologist Marie Simovich to hear more about the other kinds of life out here. She's a retired biologist at the University of San Diego, and she worked for decades at these pools. There's worms, lots of kinds of insects. Um, if you want to get small, there's rotifers and other kinds of, and, and protozoans, there's bacteria, there's algae, vascular plants. It's minestrone. Minestrone. I love that. You've got the noodles and the beans and the bits of vegetables, and that attracts this whole other layer of life to the pools. There's tree frogs, uh, spadefoot toads. You'll find snakes in there that are coming in and eating some of the, uh, the tadpoles and ducks that are eating the, some, of the, some of them are eating the vegetation, some of them are eating the fairy shrimp. It is a lot going on. It really is a lot going on. It's life upon life upon life upon life. And what's so incredibly cool about all this is this complex soup just sort of emerges out of nothing because before it rains, there is no vernal pool. They're sort of invisible until the right conditions occur. Sharon College is an ecologist at the University of Arizona. She explained to me that vernal pools are a type of ephemeral wetland, a habitat that's there one month and gone the next. Basically, it's like nature's rabbit in the hat trick. So if you drive by these spots in the summer months, like August and September, there's not really a lot to see. It would just look like a brown field of dead grass and you wouldn't think anything of it. But when the rains come, it's sort of like these areas come to life. You can't just drive up any time of year and see them. There's a seasonality to this. There's an ephemerality, which I think is, is really special. You have to be in the right place at the right time. It's so limited in time and space. Collinge studies these electric yellow flowers that bloom as vernal pools dry up. They're called Contra Costa Goldfields. And as the name suggests, they flower in these incredibly beautiful, dense carpets. They're very bright and cheery, and they're very persistent. And I really um, kind of uh, admire their resilience in these pools over time. That exotic invasive species, which are pretty common throughout California, 
are unable to tolerate these very extreme conditions. So the invasives can't handle it, but the gold fields are uniquely adapted to it. Their seeds just sit dormant there in the dry soil, waiting for their moment. And then, just like the fairy shrimp, when the rains come, the seeds germinate and transform into these tiny little bright green seedlings. And those can grow for months underwater. And then, as the water in the pools evaporates, the plants go into a growth spurt. And they shoot up 8 to 10 inches tall in just a few weeks, push out flowers. And the floral displays are just spectacular. And so, if you know where to look, this is just something that's, that's quite magical. There's another pretty magical scenario that plays out at ephemeral pools in the Arizona desert, where spadefoot toads burrow into the desert soil and go dormant before waking up to an alarm clock of raindrops. It's often the monsoon storms themselves that wake them up. Michael Bogan is an aquatic ecologist at the University of Arizona. You know, the thunder, the lightning, the water, the heavy rainfall hitting the surface, um, all those things can, can serve as cues and let the toads know that, hey, the pools might be refilling. It's almost like a fairy tale. I mean, the, the toad that kind of falls asleep. Right. <laughs> and then wakes up to the sound of thunder and, and thinks, oh, oh my gosh, it's time to go. Exactly. <laughs> and when you think about what they're sleeping through, you know, they're sleeping through months of like 105, 110 degree temperatures. Like they're sleeping through some incredibly harsh conditions um, and then just, just spring back to, to action as soon as the conditions are good for them again. Bogan is captivated by these pop-up aquatic ecosystems, and he travels far beyond his home base in Arizona to find them. He recently trekked across the deserts of northern Mexico to visit some ephemeral pools there, hiking across volcanic terrain that almost looked like the surface of Mars. It's one of the most rugged, harsh places I've ever worked. And so it's, it's a landscape dominated by lava flows and, and you know, black, jagged basalt rock. Um, for really for miles and miles and miles. And, and then that runs up against sand dunes um, surrounding it. All. Last October, he says, a cyclone came through and dumped several inches of rain there, and that transformed depressions in the volcanic rock into big pools of water. You know, it looks like a, like a beautiful swimming pool in some cases. <laughs> Bogan actually has cameras set up at these pools to track water flow, but they also capture this huge range of wildlife that come to visit the pools. You know, morning doves and other birds come in and drink from the edge of this pool. Um, we'll see the, the coyotes um, come in to drink, the, the bobcats and the foxes come into the pools. And I guess the thing linking all of these is just that they are these incredible oases for life when they have water in them and then they sort of disappear and you might not even know anything was there. Exactly. And that's, that's really the challenge. You really have to have kind of a long-term perspective and a lot of patience to study these, these ephemeral water bodies. Um, so it's it's really, you know, it comes down to like trying to to document what's there when the conditions are right and, and really communicate that to people so that they know, you know, even though 70% of the time it's going to look like there's nothing there, that other 30% of the time, it's, it's incredible. There's a whole world of, of biodiversity. A whole world of biodiversity that can overcome incredible odds to survive in these harsh and totally unpredictable ecosystems. But how do you convince people 
to protect something that doesn't even exist 70% of the time. In the next episode, we're going to zoom in on one species that often finds itself right in the middle of fights between conservationists and developers. It's sort of the unofficial mascot of vernal pools, and my personal favorite, the fairy shrimp. So you just love fairy shrimp because they're crazy? Yes. (laughs) Me too. That's me too. Cool. We're going deep behind the scenes at the Natural History Museum of LA with Adam Wall, collections manager for the crustaceans. And how many fairy shrimp did you say you've looked at over your career? Probably 100,000 at this point. That's on the next episode. Stay tuned. Science Quickly is produced by Jeff Del Vicio, Tulika Bose, and Kelso Harper. Music by Dominic Smith. Don't forget to subscribe to Science Quickly wherever you get your podcasts. Head over to scientificamerican.com for science news. For Science Quickly, I'm Christopher Intagliata.